When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. We've had a small break, but we are back. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. And Rob, is it a surprise to you that I've taken even as much as three weeks off? I think we've had two weeks, but the takeover is still not done. Well, I think that's the longest we've ever had off, isn't it, in that way for the podcast? Um, but no, the, the the takeover hasn't been done and you're in exactly the same spot you are that we said, what, three, four months ago that the Glazers might eke this one out until the end of time. So I don't know why anyone is surprised about that. But of course, we will touch on it today and in the future. Seven months and counting. Also worth saying it's not necessarily a takeover, still might not happen, but sorry, I don't want to get your uh, get your <laughs> mood down uh, within a minute of the show. We've been off for two weeks. I've been on holiday in Mexico, so sorry, I, I just I wanted to take a bit of a break, uh, but we are back and we'll be back as per usual because the summer transfer window is open and Man United are being... Uh, how's the, what, how would you describe them? Because we just started recording this podcast as it has become public that David De Gea was offered a contract. He signed it. United took it back and offered him worse terms after that. And that's kind of where we are. We'll talk about that in a bit. But how would you summarize the, la- the first few weeks of Man United's transfer window, Rob? I would summarize it as very Man United. So do do people feel the Groundhog Day from last season and all the seasons before where Man United put out the feelers and look for players and do some of their due diligence where they just take forever to do stuff? So I'm not concerned as a fan whether United are going to buy players because they just will. Last summer is exactly the same thing, wasn't it? We were talking about them trying to get deals over the line and then them kind of treading water for a bit. I'm not massively against that. I think that's just the business of football. But of course, then you'll compare it to someone like City or Chelsea or other teams that kind of just go and fire the shotgun straight away and get their deals done and people don't know about it until it happens. That's not really the way the Glazers or Manchester United do it, is it? So uh, not surprised at all, but also not particularly worried. Let us know. If you're worried in the comments, uh, there's certainly lots to talk about. We've uh, been away for two weeks, as we say plenty has developed since so we'll use today's show as a little bit of a catch-up for things that are happening now and things that we've we've maybe missed or haven't touched on over the last couple of weeks when we've been away but subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us now on youtube as well head over to the channel if you haven't already subscribe like the video leave a comment for us follow us on twitter at underscore scott saunders at raw underscore rob underscore b at promise and mu for the show you want Instagram, Rob? We're, we're doing some some uh, promotion now for the Vegas trip on Instagram as well. No, no, I'm not. But if all our followers are, please obviously follow our content from Vegas. Yes, at Scott Saunders eighty nine. If you like Instagram and want to follow me there, we'll be promoting our Vegas trip, which is from July twenty eighth at United Con, the place to be for United fans to come together on their preseason tour of the US. Visit united-con.com to book your place. That is around the Borussia Dortmund game in Vegas at the end of July. Now, okay, let's start with... We've done the takeover line. We don't need to do it again. Uh, Let's start from the back of the pitch. David De Gea, his contract is not signed, even though it was signed. United offered him terms we believe equated to around £200,000 a week. I don't know if you can hear in the background, by the way, there's like a class of kids like shouting and screaming. I hope it's not coming across on the mic. But two hundred grand a week, United offered it to him. He signed it, was happy with it. United have since reneged on that, taken the deal away, offered him terms that are not as favorable as that. 
I'm guessing with a squad status as well, which is not guaranteed number one, because we will talk about Andre Onana soon enough. And we feel like the picture is becoming a bit clearer with what they want to do around the goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. First off, Rob, let's get this out of the way. David De Gea has been your 12 years clean sheets record. That's not like, you know that myself, I've pushed for De Gea to be released because I think it's a necessary move to start competing at the top if you want to. Uh, But to me, treatment of a player who's been there for 12 years, that's not, that's not very nice, is it? No, well, frankly, it's disgusting. Like, I think this is the criticism that we have of Manchester United in terms of the director of football function, in terms of knowing what players you want, what you want to offer them, and how you retain those players while also conducting transfers. It's very kind of staged. There's a kind of method to the madness. And I think with David De Gea, we said this last season. We said, why are Man United even offering a contract? You know that he doesn't really fit what you need in terms of what Ten Hag wants from the back of the pitch going forward. So why are we going through this kind of whole shebang of uh, this is what we're going to do with De Gea and we're going to try and negotiate to the point where he signs a deal? But he's not going to be your number one. He said that he will only stay if he's the number one. He will say, He's also said, I will stay for a salary reduction. So they got to that point, didn't they, Scott, where weeks before the FA Cup final, we talked about this, was that everything was done. That was what we heard, wasn't it? We'd heard from... Well, it was. It was finished. So United had to sign their contract. De Gea had to sign his part of the contract. De Gea did sign his bit of the contract. And then what happened? United went, we're not signing it now. What changed? What did they not know before the FA Cup final before that? Well, the truth is nothing. What they did to David De Gea is not acceptable and not really acceptable to any footballer. So we're in a situation now where they've offered David De Gea much reduced terms because the feeling is he would be the number two. He'd be the reserve. David De Gea is not going to be interested in that, is he? Why are you even offering him more reduced terms? Why don't you just rip that contract up? Why, why would you offer a number two status on reduced terms, which will probably equate to 120, 150? That, that that's that's not how you do it. <laughs> like, but but you also know David De Gea now in this brand new world of the Saudi Pro League, yeah, has got offers on the table which are ginormous. He's got two big big offers on the table which are going to be huge cash cash uh, surpluses in his bank account every week, and he could go to Saudi and get that money. Why would he sign a contract for one twenty to one fifty at Manchester United to sit on the bench? He is not going to do that. So Manchester United know this. David De Gea and his representatives know this. What are you doing? Why are you wasting your time doing this kind of stuff? So this is where I think the criticism needs to sit at the director of football's table because it's not the Glazers negotiating that bit. That's the people running the function of the football club. And it's up to Richard Arnold to be able to say, actually, you know, we don't we don't need to be doing this. So thanks, David. Off you go. Get Take your big offer somewhere else. We'll just go get another number two somewhere else for 20 grand a week. Because <laughs> you could. You can. You could, of you, you, well, you've just signed Heaton up, haven't you? Heaton's going to be staying at the football club. So it's not like your reserve function has a massive problem there. You've just got an old goalkeeper. But you're going to go get a new goalkeeper. You're going to hopefully get someone that it looks like our manager knows very, very well and we'll talk about. But if you know all of this, then then just do it. Just stop messing around. Let De Gea go and do it with respect because there's not a lot of respect in football, Scott, and that is a problem. But at the same time, you don't need to be like this. We, we talk about the people running the club and who've put yeah. that offer on the table. Question, Ten Hag, does he need to take some criticism for this? Because obviously, David De Gea's performances in the final third of the season were poor. Like, yes. There were mistakes he made in Seville, the FA Cup final. He's had criticism for the goals that went in in that game. He's had criticism for... There's other mistakes. West Ham, uh, you know, these are just ones I'm naming off the top of my head after two mm-hmm. weeks away. Like, we we obviously know, and it's been obvious all season, from when United tried to play out from the back at Brentford when they got battered 4-0, and then they changed the way that they distribute the ball from the Liverpool game after it. Like, we've known all year that David De Gea cannot play like Andre Onana will play. And we know that Eric Ten Hag likes 
his goalkeepers to play like Andre Onana or mm. to some or Raya or, or Costa some, you know. or every other the goalkeepers who've got feet. Yeah, and Onana's a different level even to those. But yes, he is, yeah. in that in that sense, but if they've reneged on their decision, surely that's come from Ten Hag. Yes and no. Like I think the thing is, like we're, we're, it's difficult to talk so laterally about it. But the the truth is, is that Manchester United were in the ballpark for Kim and they wanted Kim and that was going to take up obviously 50 odd, um, 50 odd uh, million pounds of their money. And that was something Man United wanted to execute. They went and did all of that. They did all the due diligence. They sorted it out. Then they decided that they had to change that stance because Harry Maguire's stance about leaving the football club, which is that he would like to stay. So I think with the goalkeeper, that's where it's changed. Is It's not about whether you rate De Gea less. Like, we know what De Gea is. Like, come on. We know what it is. It's not a football thing. It's You say about uh, Eric Ten Hag. I don't think Eric Ten Hag ever sat there with Richard Arnold and didn't talk about <laughs> new goalkeepers. Like, come on. Like, we yeah, keep that, saying that's, this. That's fair. That's we fair. said that at the end. Of, we said it not just in the season, but during the season. We, went, we know that De Gea does not fit the profile of goalkeeper that this manager wants. But when you go and get him... You have to decide whether he's problem number six or problem number three or problem number one. And I remember you said for you is problem number three. And I said, I think for Ten Hag, maybe problem five or six. But that changes when you're not going to buy that centre-back. When you're not buying Kim, then it all reshuffles itself. So you're going to now go get a goalkeeper. And you know what, Scott? You probably needed that anyway. Yeah, let's just, on that, I mean... There are, we did our player sales and all this mm. kind of stuff before before um, our little break. I think we concluded that United need really eight players, right? Something yeah. like that. They're not going to get eight in one summer unless no. magical takeover happens and an endless pit of money is is there to be used. Like that's not going to happen. So United have to. That's a fluid situation. So United yeah. are potentially open to changing plans on how they behave this summer mm-hmm. and how they behave next summer because like if, like we say if there are eight positions you do four this summer four next five and three there's inevitably going to be more that changes yeah. next season as well so those even those positions you haven't filled might change as well but yeah I, to me like I, I you said it there rob i put this issue as number three on the priority list after a goal scorer and you need some more in midfield uh but it was a serious one for me and obviously, you mentioned there on Harry Maguire. We'll talk about the centre-backs in a bit, but how are United going to shift a player on, who's their club captain, on £190,000, £200,000 a week to a club like West Ham? Or who else is going to take him, really? Leicester was the other one. They've been relegated. That's not happening. No. Newcastle have not shown any interest there. You have to change tact a little bit. And as much as... I've been supportive of United making a change in goal. I think to 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 have De Gea sign a contract and then take it away from him for a player who's been here for 12 years that most people would consider a club legend is not really fair. It's, but it's, it's, it's massively unfair. It's, it's <laughs> and I've called ruthlessness. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what? There's ruthlessness and then there's kind of like fecklessness. There's, yeah. like, there's like getting your stuff done and being okay with that and saying to players, you know, we love you, goodbye, thank you. And you can do that with respect. You don't have to, you don't have to push everyone off the edge of a cliff. You can sort it out professionally. And what Man United have done here with this deal is that we put that question forward. He said, why are you putting a contract in front of this guy? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you really wanted a number two, you could you'd do it a different way, surely. Um, and now we're in a situation where, obviously, the pieces have rejiggled themselves, and that's where you are. And you're now looking at a goalkeeper. You know, Anana is a player who is someone that obviously people have been aware of for a very long time. He's gone to Inter. He's done really well at Inter. Had a really kind of eye-catching Champions League final. So now United fans are going, oh, he's really good with his feet, isn't he? And Man United have kind of done the same thing. Man United have gone, (laughs) oh, that guy you liked, Eric. You know, you talked to us about Anana a year ago. We could have had him on a free transfer a year ago, but we didn't do that. Well, um, it was all, I think, to be fair, it was all agreed with Inter. He was gone to Inter. It was done. It was done. So that, that, that is to be fair. But I'm telling you, like, Eric Ten Hag put a, a whole list of players forward that he would like, and that's how it worked with United, and that's how it works this year. But now United are going, all right, so we're not, getting, we're not going to do Kim, and we're stuck with Harry, so what should we... Do you know what? Let's do a goalkeeper. That's not really how you do business. Business is fluid, but that's how Man United do business. And Man City, of course, are like the other end of the spectrum where they will cherry pick stuff and they'll go, we're going to lose Gundogan in a year. 
So we'll work on that now and we'll get where we need to be in a year and we'll buy the midfielder we want. Oh, our defence is all right this year. It's done well. Ake's done well. When we bought Kanji, they've all done well. But we want someone who's going to take Laporte's minutes. Laporte can sit on the bench for the rest of the year and we'll go and buy Guardiola. So this is how, that's how you should do business, whereas Man United don't do it like that. That's why things chop and change so much with United. City aside, they might sign Declan Rice as well. That has been great. Exactly. But anyway, uh, Andre Onana then, we haven't talked about him. So we've talked, We have what we have talked about is how much a goalkeeper who can play with his feet and distribute and sweep keep and come out of his area and dribble past players and end up in midfield or whatever. Like, how much would that change United and the way that they play? Like, obviously, you saw, and I, I, I was at the Champions League final, saw this up close. Like, the, his bravery and his confidence to distribute the ball under pressure. And Pep talked about it before the game as well. How <laughs> Onana's so good with his feet at distributing that it changes the way that Man City are going to defend. And even in the first minute, he, he, he passed the ball out of play. It was like the first 10 seconds. But you could see how. City were thinking, oh God, we have to deal with this and we have to learn how to deal with this pretty quickly. Yeah. How much will that change? If let's let's say like there's no deal struck yet, but looking like United might be able to pull this one off. Yeah. And it looks like the priority list is that he's come up it. Yeah. How much will this change United's style? It would change Manchester United's style 100 percent It's it's just kind of as dramatic and as obvious as that. Um, if you live in the camp where you realise how important goalkeepers are with their feet, as I said, I think we coined a phrase a real long time ago now called sweeper keeper. And when we used to write it in, in our pieces and our articles, people used to laugh at us all the time and go, what do you mean sweeper keeper? Goalkeepers are not sweepers. Well, if you live in the camp where you believe that Edison and Allison are as important to City and Liverpool as, say, their midfielder, then great. But Man United have not been there. You know, Man United have not been able to do that with De Gea. Now, you're in a situation with De Gea where you're enforced, aren't you? Because you're going to lose De Gea. That's just the truth. And you've manufactured that. So do you, you've manuf- do, uh, Well, do you think now that that is done? I do, yeah. Like, if I'm David De Gea, I'm not signing. I'm not staying for 120 grand a week and not playing. Like, just not doing it. I'm, I, I either go, I either sign a deal for 120 a week at another club where I play every single week and have maybe a similar chance of winning as I have at United. Because let's be honest, if United have a bad year next year, they could come sixth or fifth. They could, couldn't they? That's the truth. You've been in Champions Seventh League. Seventh, even. Well, look, you're in the Champions League, then you're out of the Champions League. Like that, it, it, time changes things, doesn't it? But yes, I do think that De Gea is, is cooked. I don't see De Gea staying, and why would he? And I don't blame him. But then if you're going to go get Anana done, and Anana's representatives are here in the country, and so are Inters. So this is bubbling away, and it could happen at any moment. If you do that, you are getting, potentially, the best goalkeeper in the world with his feet. He is of that calibre. So that's you're, not I mean, even an over. That's not an. That's not overstating it either. Like, it's not dramatic. That that's the truth. So if you're doing that, you are basically saying to your squad, your defenders, your midfielders, your attackers, the counter press starts with the goalkeeper. Now that's a revolution for Man United because Man United's revolution, Man United's counter press kind of starts with Bruno Fernandes in the middle of the park. So you're going that far back in the pitch that if you nick the ball off a centre forward with a goalkeeper, that goalkeeper can play the 60-yard pass almost to feet in exactly the same way that Edison does. Watch Man City's stats from last year. Go and read them. And Man City played tons of long ball last year because you can do teams if you've got a goalkeeper that can do it. Alisson does it with Liverpool. Play, play long ball to feet. So that's what would change. And you haven't really had defenders that do that. Think about it, Scott. Wambasaka can't really do that, can he? Inside, Varane can, but Lindelof kind of can, but doesn't. Maguire's too slow. Then at left-back, Luke Shaw definitely can do it. Luke Shaw is an all-round kind of forward-thinking defender. But Anana gives you a fifth choice there. I actually think Anana's the best passer of the ball out of all of them. Him and Martinez will be the two players that almost will be nicking the ball and playing it into the channel to feet. And then you can exploit your own pace. Because one thing Man United have got, Scott, is legs. You can run. Rashford will have a field day with that ball into the channel. And 
it's not it's not rocket science and this is what the manager would love to do because this is the modern game as well and it's a big loss for Inter you know if he leaves Inter um Inter got to the Champions League final he was a massive part of that you would not have said Inter 12 months ago would be getting to a Champions League final would you Scott absolutely and uh Onana's fit, like to me, it just never occurred. It never, never really occurred to me that this was a thing that United would do, given we had De Gea having signed a contract as it's now publicly being confirmed. You know, it, this seemed like it was going to be De Gea plus a younger keeper, and if they were to go and get somebody else, we we talked about David Raya, Diogo Costa, and there was probably others in it, but Andrew Onana was never in it for us. Um, but having heard of it, their interest, it makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. The reason why you didn't see it, and the reason why we haven't talked about it, is because we all assumed that Harry Maguire would be going out the door. That Maguire would say, "Yes, my time is done. I want to go," and that's not happened. Maguire has said, "I'm staying. I'm on a big wage." And if you do move me, I want ten million quid in my pocket before I even think about it. Man United have gone, "Oh, don't like that." Let's now talk about a goalkeeper. So that's where it is. And that's why they changed their stance with, with uh, David De Gea. It's not because they're ruthless, Scott. It's because they have got too many moving pieces. And I think the manager has gone, well, if you're not going to get me Kim, I want Anana. I need someone to ball play out from the back. Because that's what Kim would have been. Kim would have been a forward-thinking defender passing out from the back like kind of Martinez is, like Varane kind of is. Uh, and, you know, we talked a lot about Timber. We kind of touched him later. Timber would help you play out from the back, but he's now not coming. So the goalkeeper is an obvious choice. Could just stick him with the two right-backs you've got. So this is all moving bits and pieces. It's normal in football, but I think someone like Anana being on the market as well and being gettable and someone that Ten Hag knows, that's a big pull for everyone concerned. Well, uh, you mentioned Kim and Timber there. Uh, Onana, I think it's, it's at negotiation stages. 50 million euros to 60 million euros is the price that potentially United and Inter could meet on. I don't think that's terrible value, really. It's good for value. Yes, it's not bad, especially if United can... Inter are struggling for cash as well. If yeah. if United can... Uh, <laughs> they're not master negotiators by any stretch of the imagination. But if they can work some kind of magic, which they're not recognised for, then that would be a really good value deal. Yeah, again, we talked a lot about Costa in the past. If the Costa stakes start at sixty, at like, and that's the start because that's part of the the clause and one thing or another. If you can get this goalkeeper for fifty, and you are primarily buying him because you need to get better on the deck then that's £10 million in your pockets. Now, I know football fans go, well, that's nothing, is it, £10 million? quid? I'm, I'm afraid on your profit and loss, where Man United are making losses in certain departments, £10 million quid is a lot of money. It's a lot of money going back on your bottom line. So I, I think, you know, I, I'm high on him. I like him as a goalkeeper. I've always thought he's a really good goalkeeper. He's not traditional in, like, maybe some of his shot stopping, but I think he's pretty good at coming for the ball. He's very mobile. He wouldn't have to use his hands as much, Scott, because he's just so good with his feet. Like, do you get what I mean? He'd just be trapping the ball with his chest, putting it on the deck and sweeping the ball out into the wing positions and into the channels and up to maybe a brand new centre forward. And he can do that in spades. I think he'd be a massive success on the Ten Hag. It would allow Eric Ten Hag to go to the next phase of building the tactical profile of Manchester United. You mentioned Kim and Timber, Rob, two other targets yeah. Eric Ten Hag has wanted. Since I've been away, Man United's chase of Kim has evaporated, essentially, because you mentioned there Harry Maguire. United mm. have Eric Bailly, Harry Maguire, Victor Lindelof. All three would be sold for the right money if yeah. an offer was to come in. You also have Rafa Varane and a fit again, Lisandro Martinez. That's five centre-backs. Yeah. If you can't, they'll shift by, I think. Yes. On loan, probably. <laughs> what did I say to you in our but, show about value? I said I'd get rid of him for free. And you were like, oh, a few quid. I was like, no, you need to get rid of these players. Two and Zabie's gone, isn't he? Right? And two and yeah. Zabie with getting players not gonna get gonna get you any kind of minutes. And what have they done with the lad that we've talked up a lot, Zidanic Bell? They've gone to Zidanic Bell. We construct a deal where we might be able to bring you back one day. You know, it's a nice deal for us, but a million quid. So, like, he's gone to Utrecht. He, he, he can play football. And there's a lot of that happening is that you might have to take a much lower valuation on certain players if you need to move them to be able to go and buy other players. You're not doing Kim now because your captain is on a ton of money. He's just gone, 
I'm not here to help you. I'm here to get richer. So he's going to stay at Man United. And that means you have to move other pieces. You wonder what Harry Maguire's England place will be like in a year's time. At the he Euros. Shouldn't playing. He shouldn't be playing. Like, you're like, what's Gareth Southgate doing? I watched, you obviously played the other day and covered the games. And it's like, you, you, you still, you kind of laugh. You go, I know you like Harry Maguire, but come on, this is a little bit over the top. Like, you have got other other players, other defenders who can play there. Shouldn't you really be blooding them? Not a player that's sat on the bench and taking the money home. So, no offence to Harry Maguire, you know, but come on, go and go and live your life somewhere else. Go and live your career and be a footballer. Don't sit on our bench just because of a little bit of surplus cash. But this is why there's a lot of money involved, isn't it? And if it's 10 million quid to him, he's thinking, I'll be retired in five, 10 years' time. So, I'd like that 10 million quid in my pocket. I do understand that kind of logic. So no Kim off to Bayern by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, not Good fit for them. Not officially done yet, but yeah. it seems like Bayern will. Uh, been speaking a lot today about how Bayern are looking to sign Premier League style targets. Um, yes. <laughs> under Thomas Tuchel, Declan Rice, Mason Mount, Harry Kane, they've tried for Frankie De Jong. Might talk about him in a bit. Mm. They've <laughs> they're interested in in Kim. On the way to Man United, not yeah. anymore. Nope. And then they like Jurian Timber as well, but obviously he is now another former Eriksen Hag player on his way to Arsenal. I think that makes a lot of sense. But obviously when United have Wan-Bissaka, Dallow, and those five five centre-backs I've just mentioned. There you go. You have to shift them or at least be feeling like you can shift them if you're going to go and make investments like that when your budget's limited. And that's why you're giving people away for free pretty much because this is the thing, you're taking the hit yourself on your profit and loss. But you've got to do that if you want other players. I think the thing is with Kim is that you're never going to get a player like Kim again and that release clause around 50. So buying a kind of strong arm in it and Bayern Munich are stronger than the whole of the Bundesliga. So they're kind of like the Premier League on their own, aren't they? They can get any player they ever want. That's how that's how Bayern operate. So he's a good fit for them. Like he he will do really well there. Man United agreed a wage deal with him. He was willing to come to United into the Premier League, but United have switched. So don't be surprised if you see a lot more of this kind of switching in the weeks ahead because it's a long transfer window. Like I don't know when the deadline is, Scott, like, but we're still in the earliest days, really. Like it's you know, I know it feels like the new season is coming very quickly, but Man United will still be doing deals in the last week or two. So they're not rushing, even though, of course, fans want them to be, get players over the line immediately. Yeah. Well, doesn't look like those players will be ending up at United. Um, Mason Mount. Mason Mount. We've. I was just thinking, shall I move on to the midfield now? Or any further notes on the defence? Let's move on to the midfield. I've got Adrian Rabio first because United are... Well, they spoke to Adrian Rabio last yeah. year. They have this year. He was out of contract on Friday, June 30th. That's the same as De Gea is. Um, United have spoke to him. Yeah, He signed a new contract with Juve for an extra year. So that one is not happening. I mean, like... He had a good season with Juventus, but to me, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as automatic first choice for United. And if he did, I would be quite concerned about that. So it's not a super massive problem, is it? I didn't want him. I really didn't want him. I think if you if you want to bring in someone who is on a say lower wage, like he won't be on a lower wage, he would be one of your real top earners. Like he was on a huge wage at Juve and has been for many years. Um, if you want to do that then just sign Sabitzer. Like, if you want someone who's just going to sit on the bench and do bits, but you don't sign Rabiot to do it, do you? And I don't actually think he would work in that, and I think he'd want to come. So I think for him, he knows staying at Juve, you know, did you say it's a year deal? Is that right? A year, extra year. A 12-month extension. So again, in 12 months' time, he gets to play the field again, doesn't he? So he he actually had a really good season at Juve, even though Juve didn't particularly. But um, uh, he's looked at the marketplace, May United offering a similar deal to what they offered him before. And he's still gone now. Stay at Juve. I like the weather in Well, Chile. he has he has the Euros next year. Like if you think about this, it works really in his favour. He has a year okay. to play at Juve where he's been playing well. First choice. He can then go to the Euros out of contract. Mm. If he has a good Euros, then he's the world's his oyster kind of thing. He's gone up the pecking order at Juve as well. So even though the problems they're having at that football club, he it makes sense. Twelve months is not a, a big leap of faith. Let's do Mason then. Yeah. Mason Mount. Um <laughs> 
Let's do Mason Mount. Uh, United made, while I was away, three offers for Mason Mount. Yeah. The last one of which was totaling £55 million, including add-ons. Chelsea batted each of them away. The third offer was rebuttaled with a counter-offer of... 58 million plus seven in add-ons totaling 65. There is a 65 million valuation on Chelsea side per last offer versus Man United's 55. United made it clear at the time that they were making that bid that that was their final bid. Now, we reported on nightmin.com yesterday, you can read this on the site, that Chelsea's counter-offer at 65, obviously that's the counter-offer, but there's a middle ground here. And if United hit 60 and they come back to the table... Chelsea will do a deal. But United have drawn a line in the sand and have said, this is our last offer, and it appears that they are sticking to it. Personally, I am not, like, if there was a player that I could pick to be in the midfield, first pick would not be Mason Mount for me at all. No. No. But if Eric Ten Hag wants Mason Mount, five million difference to me, I know that people have made, and you'll probably go this way, Rob, there is United have been burned a lot of times in the past in transfers. Mm-hmm. United are trying to make sure that they do not be seen as the weak hand this time and caving into demands. To me, I think five million and meeting Chelsea in the middle when they valued him at 70 million in the first place, even more than that, I think. That's not bad. Even though I think 55, 60 million is paying too much for Mason Mount anyway. But what do you think? Well, Chelsea valuing him at 70 million is a joke. So that, no, I, 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 think, I think the thing is that sometimes, obviously, clubs will go high with their valuations of players they're, they're moving on. You've also got to look at the situation of Mason Mount where they offered him a deal. He said no because he didn't like the terms. He doesn't play football for them. And Chelsea kind of went, well, we're buying a load of other players. So, like, goodbye, lad. Go find yourself a club. He found himself Manchester United. That's where he landed in terms of what he wants. So he wants to come to United. But I do not believe that overpaying in every situation is is prudent or smart. Again, we have to look at this. Like, forget the glazer economic side of it. Like, just for a minute, if you got you're going for a player that let's be honest, makes a mount on a final year of his deal, it's probably worth about 40, 45 million in reality. Like we live in reality. If Chelsea's saying 70, and that's done to make you come somewhere towards the middle ground, then I'm kind of saying no. I'm going, look, we've put a table. I, I did a tweet last week and I'm kind of got some financial details here written down. I did a tweet around it and I said, Man United, to get this deal done, need to put 50 cash on the table and then give Chelsea a, a realistic package of add-ons. Like, not not if Mason Mount wins, wins like, uh, Ballon d'Or next year, we'll pay an extra 2 million quid. Like, no. Proper stuff. Like, if we're in the Champions League next year, we'll pay an extra 2, 3 million. Man United's offer overall comes to about 55 million. Chelsea are looking for 60 cash with a similar kind of package. Now, eventually, I think they will meet in the middle because the player wants it and both clubs do want it. But I'm saying no. If I'm United, I'm going, I'm not giving you more money for this guy who's desperate to come to us. What I'm saying is, right, make some out. If you want to come to us, put in a transfer request. Do it now. Put your transfer request in. And if you lose money because of that, because that would obviously affect his bonuses and maybe his severance deal of lo- leaving a football club on the final d- year, we will pay you instead. So do that. Put your transfer request in and we'll get you out of the football club. I think that's kind of what might happen in the end. But I also think that Chelsea desperately need the money because they're making moves. So that you're going to find somewhere in the middle. It's going to be maybe an undisclosed fee because they often do that. And I think that's what we'll, it will be in the end because United won't want to be seen to playing over the top and Chelsea won't want to be seen to like letting the player go for short of their ridiculously stupid valuation. Because what was it? Um, uh, Havertz, who's on a contract going to Arsenal, is £65 million. And you'll then want to sell Mason out for 70 odd. Like, come on, it's a joke. It's a joke. So Man United shouldn't actually do it. Because if you lose that player, Scott, like you just said, there, get on with it. Go find another midfielder then. That's just the way it goes. But I would like Mason out of United. But for me, he's not an automatic starter. He'd have to work his way into the team. And about 50 million is about right for him. Well, I said on June 1st, clubs apart on price, happy medium at 50 million plus, committed, committed plus 10 million in performance related add-ons yeah that is essentially what the deal will be if united decide to do it i think 
you, you make a fair point, Rob. If you do add-ons in a sense, and this is again the, the intricacy of these deals when we look into them, if the add-ons are that you get an extra million quid every 50 appearances, and if he makes and that you do that under say 250 appearances, which is a really long time, then that's five million quid for nothing. You're getting five million quid because your play has done all right for you. But if he doesn't make those and say in 20 games time or he gets injured or something like that and you're not paying it, then you that's the way to save a little bit of money, isn't it? Like if the player is a success for you, you pay a little bit more. But I don't think you should be putting more cash on the table. Like 50 million cash for a guy in his final year, no one else is doing that. No one else is putting that money on the table. And I think that's about his valuation. Like he's a good player, but don't go mad. Don't kind of break the bank for every player. But then there are other players like a Frankie de Jong or someone like that, where you might break the bank because that's a, a unique opportunity. I don't think Mason Mount is a unique opportunity. I think my point is really 55 is already a bit silly. <laughs> so yeah. So why get more but, silly? Like, I think that's the thing in it. It's like, it's a bit like, you know, I bought this sandwich for seven quid, but it's only worth four quid, but yeah, you know, I'll pay like eight quid. Cause I've already paid seven. Like it's kind of like uh, football is, is about commodity, isn't it? And these players are commodities. You're buying that to help you win. But the more you take away from one transfer, means that another transfer gets impacted. So with Man United, there is a lot of that going on is that they're trying to balance books. You know, today is a massive kit launch for Man United, a big day for their, their profit and loss. And uh, and United are looking at ways of saving money. And you can't, you can't just put extra zeros on cash deals just to make someone like Chelsea happy, who are a disruptive, weird football club themselves. Like, don't play their game, play your own. Just one other thing to say on Mount. I think the price reason why Chelsea are demanding that he is also homegrown so that is quite yes. important in the in the sense of you compare his price to habits yeah I, I I mean 60 versus 65 or 70 versus 65 yeah. for the two players doesn't make a lot of sense in their contract terms but Mason Mount does have that homegrown factor which is important for clubs like Man United yeah like but then I'm just I'm just going to go and find another player in that situation because there's millions of them like I'm just going to get another player of homegrown uh, that the the situation of homegrown is really wide so it's not like I for me it's not deal breakers like you said with Havertz yeah he's not got that status but Havertz with a contract should not be worth more money than what you're saying Mason Mount should come to Man United for so I think Chelsea are just trying to pull a fast one here on a rival they got 70 million for him with one year to go they'd be laughing wouldn't they at us do you think it gets done? Yes. Yes, I think, right. it, I think it gets done. And I think it gets done because everyone has agreed that it should get done. And I think Man United have taken a right stance, Scott, in saying to Chelsea, we're not going to renegotiate again. This is the deal we want to put forward for this player because this is his value. And if you don't like what we pay for the house, put the house back on the open market. Get on with it. You know, we'll we'll go buy another house. So I think the thing is with Mason Mount is that United do want him and he wants to come to United. And that makes me feel good. I want the player to come. I want players who want to come to United. But at the same time, I'm not going to massively overpay. A little bit more, yes. A little bit more add-ons, yes. But I'm not giving you more cash for a player like that. You're talking about other houses. Is Moises Caicedo the other house? I mean, like let's talk about this. United have moved away from Mason Mount and have put it out there that we want Moises Caicedo instead, yes. who the line is 70 plus 10, 80 yes. odd million. We'll get it done. Yes. Brighton are seeing Declan Rice being sold for probably 100 million. And they are thinking this player is younger and just as good. So what reason do we have to take 80? So do you really yep. think that Man United are going to go and, oh no, you know, Mason Mount, we're not going to pay an extra 5 million. Do you reckon they're going to go to 100 million for Caicedo? Who, Chelsea or just anyone in United. general? Man United. No, they're not going to go to 100 million. But let's, I'm going to talk about this in a kind of more lateral sense. I would be more willing to pay that fee, 70 plus 10 or something like that, or maybe 70 plus player or something around that, that ilk than I am putting another 5 million quid on Mason Mount. And some people are going to ask, that's ridiculous. But it's all about the talent and what the impact is. And I look at Casado and I do put Casado in the Declan Rice ballpark. I think he's that good. And I think we've seen at Brighton his upside here. This is why he's so popular. This is why teams want him. And his valuation has done this, hasn't it, Scott? For like 24 months, bang, bang, bang. Man United could have had him for all of four million quid once upon a not so long ago. But you didn't take him. You decided not to do that deal. Now you might have to pay a lot more. 
I, I think he is worth that. And I actually think he's worth more than that. 70 plus 10, but, I would, I'd go to 80 cash and then throw a player in. Like in, the con, in the context of United's current budget, yes, can they do that, is my question, without it being, oh, 60 million euros on Onana plus Hoyland for 50, 60 million euros. We won't talk about him today. But United need a striker. They, they're going to go after a goalkeeper. That there is 120 million euros. You're telling me that United are still going to shift on all these players and spend 80 to 100 million on Caicedo. Not going to happen for me. No, I, I don't. Th- I'm not saying predicting. I'm not. I'm not being Nostradamus and predicting it will happen. But as we are seeing, and we've just talked here about Kim and Maguire and all of this and all the moving pieces, is that you're saying can they do it? I'm saying yes, they can do it. But you'd have to let the moving pieces work themselves out, and you'd have to decide what you're doing. Because to me, it's always more about wage deals. It's not about money up front. You can find ways to generate capital to move on and construct deals. Chelsea are still doing this same old rubbish. Well, they're buying this lad now, was it from Villarreal? Yeah, on an eight-year contract. It's a joke and it's going to get found out. I'm happy actually, Man United are not doing that. It's a silly way of doing business. But if you want a Casado, and you know we just said they're about problems one, two, three, four, five, and six, and say you suddenly decide because things are moving around that we really need a central midfielder, and then someone goes to you from Barcelona, well, Frankie de Jong might be available again, and you go, well, we quite like him. And then someone says, well, actually, Casado's on the market, and you go, I quite like him. Declan Rice on like it. Okay, you might then shift your focus away from a striker because let's be honest, no one's paying 70 million for Hoyland at all. And if you're going to go and get Harry Kane, you're going to have to put more cash on the table. Obviously, there's a there is a now cash offer on there to Tottenham, which is the starting of the bidding war for Harry Kane. But do you pay more for Harry Kane? Do you pay 100 million? Do you do that? Man United have got the capital to do it, Scott. They have. It's just that when you look deeper into it, it's the wage bill is a massive problem at Man United. So you let players go. And as soon as you've got rid of players, you've got the ability to flex. You've got the ability to go and do more other deals. I don't think they're anywhere near the start of the pecking order with Casado. I don't even think they are with the player. He liked United initially, but I don't think that that's a thing at the moment. He's going to probably go to the teams that he's been linked with all the way through for about a year. But Man United can do that deal. That's what I'm saying. If they do 70 million, 80 million, they can do it. It's just that you need to move other players out, don't you? You need to find a way to get Maguire off your books. We'll just say on Caicedo, regardless of the the valuation on him, I mean, in terms of the fit of midfielder that I think United need, I've always kind of said United need a player who can cover Casemiro and also play next to Casemiro. Yep. I think Casado can do that. And Casado can also play fullback. Casado's quite good with carrying the ball. Casado's actually quite good at uh, all the kind of hard work side of the midfield, isn't he? So he's a multifaceted player and you're getting more value out of him. That's, do you know what I mean? So this is why Man United might look at that. And for me, Scott, this transfer window is long. United might pull off one of these bigger deals much later in the window if they haven't got their targets. This is the De Gea thing, is that De Gea takes 350-odd grand off your wage bill, like that clicking my fingers into my microphone. And when you take that 350 off, that is three players in some contexts. You might be going to the market and say, actually, we go get three players for 100 grand a week now. And that actually has value to us. And we will pay more and structure deals around that because these three players instantaneously make us a more competitive outfit. You're in the Champions League this year, Scott. You need to get better across the pitch. You're not going to buy eight but you might buy three or four. And if you buy three or even two, you might go to a higher valuation on certain targets and then start really rolling the dice to kind of get one of those bigger players. Casado, Rice, they're all available if you want if you want to go get them. It's just that you've got to go compete to go get them. We talked about Declan Rice, didn't we, as well? And that's open. And if you, if you can put cash forward and a player that West Ham wants and David Moyes is really interested in, it doesn't mean that you can't get that deal done as well. So there's a lot to play for at this early stage. Just going to throw this in there. I'm just scrolling through Twitter as you're talking there, Rob. There are suggestions on the goalkeeper side of things. And I did write this in a report about six weeks ago. Possibly longer. FC Porto has to cash in 50 million euros in capital gains by Friday. Did write that yes. in relation to United. We talked about it ages ago. A- ages ago, if you remember. Yeah. That's Friday. They still haven't sold a player yet. The suggestions that he is on the way to the Premier League from Portugal. Now, we know, take 
Portugal reports of Prem joining Man United, especially with a pinch of salt. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's not to say that that there could be a deal done there at fifty. You know, if Portugal get desperate. Totally. But Sorry, the, I just jump back to the goalkeepers. But yeah, look, 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 we should jump back to the goalkeepers because that's obviously almost like breaking news in many ways. But I think when you look at it, is that if you've decided what you're doing with De Gea and it looks like they have, is that you go and do the chat with Anana's people and you bring them to England and you chat to them and you find a way and you construct a deal and that's all right. Again, it doesn't mean you do that deal, isn't it? You look at the value. If Costa suddenly comes on the market and Porto knock on your door and say, well, you did approach us about this player multiple times in the past. Man United have got very good contacts in Portugal, deep scouting network in Portugal as well. And you want this player. We know you want Anana, but why don't you give us that money? Like, don't give it to Inter. We want your cash. We want your Premier League dollars. Bring it here. So that could happen. I, I think he will end up at a Premier League uh, club, Scott, if he leaves Porto. But what I was trying to point, I was trying to make to you, and I said this off camera to you, is that the 20 clubs in the Premier League now, almost almost into the relegation zone, have got so much money that they can compete now with the top clubs for top players. Have you seen the Deloitte rank? It's so depressing. The Deloitte ranking tells us every year how depressing it is. So, so like, I, I think the thing is, is that you've just seen, actually, um, uh, the young lad gone to Bournemouth. What's his name? The Clivert. Is it Clivert? So Clivert's gone there. Now, Clivert was a big talent not so long ago, like a young talent. He was absolutely groomed to kind of be a going to top clubs type player. Now, it hasn't worked for him, but... Not so long ago, Bournemouth would not be in a destination for a person like Clivert. And you're seeing this you know more and more. Do you know what the one that stood out to me was the other day? Brighton going for Mohamed Kudu. So we spoke about there you go. on and this show. And they've got a chance to get him because they've they got have the a money. Real chance. They are rich. Like with Aston Villa, people talk here about Monchi going to Aston Villa and obviously their manager now. And you look at kind of there and you think to your situation, what was their Aston Villa? No, they're really, 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 really rich. Massively richer rich. than United, probably richer than United in cash terms, fifth richest club in the Premier League. So people think of it in traditional terms, don't they? And they go, Oh, well, these clubs can't get this wide play. I bet you Costa could end up scarily at a team that you would go, What? Like he could end up at a Wolves. Wolves. <laughs> yeah. And people would go, but Wolves haven't got money. To yes, they have. Everyone's got money. <laughs> so this is the thing now. It's not like you, if you lose a player like Kudos, who you looked at for a long period of time, Kudos going on the market, 45, 50 million, is absolutely every chance he ends up at Brighton if they go and sell their lad, Casado, for 100 million. So this is the way it works now. And these clubs have got cash surpluses that were never there before, Scott. It's real. And they compete with even the top four teams. And Man United are looking at like, Another kind of 19 clubs, whereas in the past they were looking at maybe one or two in the Premier League to compete with. No, you will lose your targets to these teams in the bottom tier now, bottom half of the league, because they can all pay the wages. Look at Nottingham Forest last year, bought 48 players or whatever. They, they couldn't do that two, three, four, five years ago. It's crazy. And then if you want them in two years, you have to pay twice. <laughs> no, in Moises Caicedo's case, pay literally 20 times what Brighton have paid for him. If you want him. And now they're doing that with players that United are even considering signing now. Like, in terms of Kudos's level. Absolutely. Um, and you say you buy Kudos or you buy Acosta. Like, and this is, so I know it's hypothetical, but it is real as well because we're seeing examples. You buy Costa, say, for 60 million, say Wolves, and he's brilliant. And for a year or two, he is absolutely the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. And we all go, oh, wow. Do you know what happens? Man United offer 120 million. That's how it works. So clubs know there is sell-on value here. Kudos coming, 45 million, 50 million. Brilliant. Scores 20 goals next year. Oh, 120 million suddenly. This is the world we live in. We have so much of this. That's why we talk about sports washing and the cash, because the cash is there and it is being recycled. And we're seeing that more and more money is going to, say, the smaller teams in the Premier League. But they've got money to start off with. And that's why they're buying in that marketplace now. And they never used to. Sorry, we went off piste. Let's I don't blame them, by the way. I don't blame them, like, competing. Go yeah, buy better players and get better. Like, that's what football was about. Let's stay... Let's go back to the midfield. Oh, yeah. We're kind of... Like, the midfield is the last topic. We're on our last two players. Yeah. We'll probably be going for an hour because we've been off for two weeks. Who do you want to do first? Declan Rice or Frankie de Jong? Let's end on Frankie because he's Frankie. Right, let's, right, let's, let's do Declan first. 
Declan Rice, is there a chance? It says in my notes, Man City and Arsenal have both made bids. I've seen them rejected by West Ham. We know from our guys in the team at Lightyearmen that West Ham are getting a bit miffed that nobody's meeting their £100 million plus price Mm. for Declan Rice in cold, hard cash. They want 100 plus 20. That's what they want. Yes. They're getting a bit miffed that it's 80 plus 10 or 75 plus 15. City's was 80 plus 10. Arsenal's third bid was 75 plus 15. West Ham can hold out all summer. <laughs> Does that give United some time to say, get the takeover? Well, it could take bloody two years at this rate to get it sorted and potentially come in late. Well, with imagine players in exchange magically. I don't know. Yes, 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 yes. So, like, let, let's talk about it again. What, what, what bits do we actually know? So, there's two clubs primarily in for Declan Rice. We know who they are: Manchester City and Arsenal. Manchester United have inquired about Declan Rice countless times and recently, so they know what the valuation is. They know what West Ham want. So, West Ham clearly trying to cash in and cash in at the highest level possible. So they should. They're looking at past deals. So two years ago, you know, Jack Grealish for £100 million, and as I used to call him, the £100 million substitute, who came good. Manchester City fans will now say, Rob, you were completely wrong about that player. I think when you look at Declan Rice and the situation he's in with his contract, West Ham know that they can play the field here a little bit more and they can go as long as they want. So as you just said there, the 100 plus 20, I think that's a little bit more fluid. So... You got cities offer. Oh, it like, is. Yeah, but that, that's that's West Ham's position. Yeah, that's their position the in the same way that Chelsea's position for Mason Mount is seventy. Like you know, like boohoo, you're not going to probably get what you want, but you might get something that you do like. So I think when you look at this and you look at Manchester City's ninety plus ten, that's the best offer on the table as it, as we speak. And let's be honest, if you want to go to the treble winning champions, then maybe Declan Rice quite likes that. It's it's a thing, isn't it? You know, it's like success breeds success. When you look at Arsenal, people say, oh, he might like the Arsenal project more. What? Like, no, this is about money in the first instance. So he's not going to go, I like Arsenal's project more. For me, if he really wants to stay in London, then of course it's Arsenal. So where do Man United fit into this? So this is what I said to you as a hypothetical before, and I'll say it on camera because I do believe it, is that if you can put the cash deal together that, that West Ham wants, to so say somewhere in that 80 to 90 million pound ballpark, but you can offer both add-ons and players that they want, then you've got a chance. Man City, as it stands, haven't got those assets that they can move on. They've lost the Gundawans, you know, a Bernardo Silva might be out Calvin the door. Phillips. They have Calvin Phillips, but I don't know whether that's something that they're willing to do at the moment. I really don't. Not in, not in the way that Calvin Phillips' contract is. So, yeah, you could offer that. But it's it's a little bit of a strange one in terms of valuation or what Man City might see as Phillips' valuation. What Man United have got is they've got transfer kitty. We, we don't want to talk about how much that is, but they've got money in that terms. But they have got players that they are trying to move out who are proven Premier League footballers. Maguire. McTominay, Fred, you've got a ton of players there that West Ham might look at and go, okay, let's talk business. And we don't want to talk one player. We want two. We want 80 plus two of these players. And we want you to sort their contracts out. We don't want to play Maguire big money. We want to pay him our money. Then those players might be interested as well, Scott. Like Maguire might look at that and go, actually, I've got my 10 million quid in my pocket. I play every week at West Ham. I want to play for England. And West Ham really is a good fit for me. And I could take West Ham to the top six, you know, again and push them forward. They've just won a trophy and we're going to be playing in Europe next year. Yeah, I'm up for that. McTominay might go, well, Newcastle don't really want me anymore because that's the kind of position at the moment. Fred might go, oh, well, Fulham, not much difference between Fulham and West Ham. West Ham more established. You could do that deal and get Declan Rice, but then you have to convince Declan Rice. And and I think he'd be interested in Man United in the same way we've always talked that Harry Kane would be interested in Man United. So United remain a massive club and his best friend is coming to Manchester United. I know people don't want to talk about that, but Mason Mount coming there, he is Declan Rice's best friend and they've always talked in the press and outwardly how they would love to play for a club together one day. We all thought that would be Chelsea. Chelsea. But it's not going to be Chelsea, is it? We know it's not going to be Chelsea. So he's not going to go to Chelsea when 
Mount's just leaving in that way, unless, of course, Chelsea put together an, an astonishing deal for him. So I think United are in the Declan Rice stakes. I really, really do. Do I think it will happen? Probably not. But I do think that there is a lot more to discuss here. This is a long window. And Man United could gazump everyone and put together a deal that even Man City can't really match. I don't know City have got the assets that that you would want. Like, Would you be interested in one of the City lads from below the squad, like a Palmer or someone like that? That might be a nice little throw-in. Like, he's a good player, isn't he? Like, he's a Premier League player. I think he's good. But he's not a Maguire. He's not, he's not even a McTominay in terms of experience or Fred. But you've got assets, so you could do it. Before we get into Frankie, I will just come back to the top of the show. David De Gea, Chris Wheeler from the Daily Mail saying, Ten Hag is behind Man United's U-turn over De Gea's contract after the manager expressed concerns about keeping the Spaniard as his number one. So that form in the second half of the season. (laughs) I would say, Eric, though, you should have known that. I don't think it's about form. My God. We watch football all the time. It's our jobs to watch it, and we're fans. We all saw it. We all know it. It's not like... <laughs> they're telling me the manager's going, oh, I just didn't see it for six months. He saw it on day one, Scott. The day he came turned up at Carrington, he saw that David De Gea couldn't kick a ball like he probably wanted him to. But you can't change everything overnight. Don't offer him the deal in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we've been saying. But I think there's a lot... This is United's posturing, isn't it, as a football club, is that they kind of go, oh, we would like to keep you. But you know what? You're going to take a zero off here, a zero off there. Oh, no, now we want an honor. All right, we're going to offer you 100 grand. Oh, it's rubbish. So I don't think this is on the manager. This is why I say that. I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't insult Eric Tenog to say that he just didn't know that. Of course, he knew it. We knew it. He must have known it. So I do think the second half of the season wasn't great for De Gea, but you did win a trophy. So, like, you know, you did, you got in the Champions League, you, you, you know, tick box. But I do think that someone like Anana's on the market or maybe Costa now, yeah, you go execute those deals because they are really, really good goalkeepers. Another interjection there. Sorry, the running order is all over the shop. Let's finish the show with a Man United legend who has <laughs> never played for the club. Wesley Snyder. Heads <laughs> are in that territory. Wesley Snyder, Nico Gaitan, those oh, kinds legends. of legends. 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 Now, Twitter went wild on Monday after someone said Frankie de Jong at Barcelona was not as set in stone as everyone else. So myself and the team at 90 Min, you can read it now, might even put it in the description of this episode. We wrote a piece on the essentially how the lay of the land because Bayern Munich would like Frankie de Jong Joshua Kimmich would like Barcelona. Mm-hmm. That's been completely open. Bayern have said, nah, you're not having Joshua Kimmich. But at the same time, if Barcelona won a six, who's going to replace Sergio Busquets, which yeah, Frankie Dion is not that, is he? No. You know, he, he can't do that the entire time. We all know Barcelona's issues with financials. They pulled a ton of levers last year. They can't do that this year. They can't do it. Now, that means that they're going to try and ship out the likes of Ansu Fati, Frank Kessie. But like Man United situation, if your players aren't very good in your first team, chances are a lot of clubs aren't really going to want to pay the type of money you want for those players. They're going to want the players that are real sellable assets in your team. Hence why Man United and Frankie de Jong Man United and Barcelona agreed a deal for Frankie de Jong last year, which did not come to pass. We all know the reasons why. But it also says this in the piece, those issues have not yet been resolved. (laughs) So the deferred wages, it could be a thing again. Bayern want Frankie de Jong. If Bayern want Frankie de Jong and de Jong is going to go anywhere, Eric Ten Hag will absolutely make sure that Man United are in the race for Frankie de Jong. If he leaves, are you prepared for another summer of Frankie de Jong? Do you think it will be another summer of Frankie de Jong? Let's go. I'm look, I'm quite zen about all the transfer window, like because I've realized after 25 windows of reporting as a journalist that you gotta be zen because things change very, very quickly. So let's just kind of do a quick overview of Frankie and kind of get to where we need to be with it. So what happened last year with Frankie de Jong? Right, we kind of do know, don't we? The big thing was he wasn't massively kind of found Man United attractive. Man United were not in the Champions League. Oh, guess what's changed? 
Man United are now in the Champions League. So we know that situation is said with Kimmich and with Bayern and what Bayern would like. You know, they would they like Frankie de Jong. It's a player that they would kind of like to absorb into their system and a player that they think would do really well in the Bundesliga. But as you said, talking about Barcelona's finances, let's look at it like this, Scott. When we were talking about how much of a basket case club Barcelona were 12 months ago, when they were trying to move stuff around and they were like not paying people and all this, guess what happened? They won La Liga. So well done. You did what you wanted to do. You got you, you got what you wanted, didn't you? So you played everyone. You played Man United with De Jong for weeks and months and all of that. And you won the, you won the league. That's a good thing, Scott, isn't it? That's a good thing for Barcelona. Barcelona are now in a situation where they have to move players. That is just where they are. So they won the league last year. They might not win the league this year because of that, but they're going to put price tags on players. So what we heard, of course, is that if there was a special offer for Frankie de Jong, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, whoever, Newcastle even, like, you know, there's, there's buyers out there, then we would consider it. And that's kind of what they said 12 months ago. So I don't know if the deferred wages will be a thing because... Frankie de Jong, 12 months ago, should have told Barcelona where to go. And he didn't. He, he stayed. He even publicly backed them. I want to stay at this football club. So do I think Frankie de Jong wants to leave Barcelona? No, I really don't. He still wants to stay. That's the problem. He, he still wants to stay. But there is a list of five or six players at Barcelona that Barcelona are willing to move. And his name is on it. His name was on it 12 months ago when that list was 12. And now it's a smaller list. And Barcelona do need to somehow re recoup capital. They do. That's just the truth. So I think Frank de Jong is a possibility for Man United. But again, this would be what I call a shotgun signing. It's something that we won't hear a lot of. And then suddenly, bang, United have put in a super massive bid for it and included Harry Maguire going to the Camp Nou uh, or something There were like suggestions that, that I know. wanted him a few months ago. I know. They actually they actually said that. And again, they would be like, you know, they did take a load of players this year and last year that you kind of go, why Barcelona taking that player? Marcos they, Alonso. They just signed Jocelyn, haven't they? They've just taken... No, it's Real Madrid. No, no, Ross, so Real Madrid have just taken Jocelyn. Would you think Real Madrid would take a player like that two, three, four years ago? No, because they're having to pad the squad out in different ways. You imagine ways. Man United took Jocelyn. Although the end of the world, we, titles is not if, a fair comparison. If Man United took Jocelyn, we would have to do a four-hour special on why the end of the earth was about to happen. So, but look, this is how clubs do their business now, isn't it? And Barcelona will be filling in the gap. So, no, I don't think that that he's coming to Man United, old Frankie. But I do think that if there is a valuation and a price, and say Man United get priced out of the the Casado stakes and the Rice stakes, and they see all their competitors getting better in midfield, they might go, right, blockbuster trade. We're going to go and do the big one because you know what? We then steal the headlines. And we know that they love doing that at Man United. That's part of what they do. So we still have to wait for the ownership. There will be something happening with the ownership in the future one day. Does that mean Frankie de Jong could correlate with that? Yes, it could. But I also think there are so many other players out there that Man United are working on and working on for deals. And and Frankie, like, would, would you like Frankie, Scott? I would, I, on that? I would put Frankie in this unique box of United have done all their transfer business. And at the same time, if there were even a modicum of funds there, mm -hmm. that Eric Ten Hag would ensure they stretch to sign him. I, I would put him in that box. My list of midfielder box in, in order, so we'll do a little play in that little game. One would be Declan Rice. Two would be Casado. And even though I think Frankie is better than both those players, I really do. Like He's obviously generational talent and all of that. The money that you'd have to spend and the deal to go get him would probably impact the rest of your window. You wouldn't be able to buy anyone else because he's on huge wages as well. He'd probably be on less wages than those other two. But I think if you're prioritising what you need for your midfield, you said it before about how do you cover um, Casemiro? Because that is really important, I think. And I think that's why, for me, Rice and Casado come before De Jong. De Jong's great, but I don't think De Jong makes you title contenders. I don't. I think he's really good. And he had a good season last year, let's be honest, didn't he? He won the league with them. He's a big part of it. Um, yeah. Are you going to go do it? Are you going to go Declan Rice? Right. No, go on, go on. Don't get too excited. I, I saw people tweet yesterday. I'm not ready for Frankie de Jong. I'm no. not ready. Just no, don't like. <laughs> There's nothing concrete yet. Nothing concrete. No. All I would say is that we just, the name was out there. So we just thought, we let's do a lay of the land. 
let's tell you how it is. Yeah. Sorry. I think you can but... get Declan Rice. I really do. And I, st- I still actually think you can get Harry Kane. I really do. But look, I don't. we don't know too much about what, what's going on with Kane and Tottenham at the moment. We really don't. We know that Kane was advised to stay at Spurs. So I think we will be doing more Harry Kane to Man United very, 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 very soon. That will happen just because it's a natural course of discussion. But we need to kind of find out a little bit more from the Tottenham Hotspur side of it. What, what, what obviously they want to do with the new coaching and all of the, all of the way that they want to, want to go forward. Does Harry Kane want to leave now? Or does he want to win the lottery in 12 months' time? There are suggestions from Germany that Harry Kane wants to join Bayern. But yes. I would stress that those sources are from Germany. Those sources are from Bayern Munich. So, <laughs> so what was the offer? <laughs> 70 million was the starting bid for Harry Kane? I think that's derisory. I think that's derisory. If, it's just 70... if United had made a 70 million bid for Harry Kane, they would be laughed out of the room. But... You're getting him for 70 million unless the player is so desperate to come to your club. So Harry Kane's 70 million, but then Mason Mount's 70 million. None of this makes any sense. It's just hogwash. So, yeah, I think the Harry Kane stakes come up. And I do think the, st- the striker situation is really interesting now because there's nothing actually really obvious or clear cut. It's all kind of fading away a little bit in terms of your targets and what you could go get. The valuations have gone up because players have got better. And do you then end up with another journeyman striker or, you know, do you use maybe one of the strikers in your squad who hasn't played football for you for a very long time? So I think there is, there's that discussion to be had on Friday and obviously in the weeks ahead. Man United signed Jossalu from Real Madrid. Anyway. He plays uh, up front. We need a number nine. One hour, six minutes we're pushing. Long show. It's been two weeks, so forgive us. Hopefully you stuck with us show. this long catch-up show. We'll be back on Friday. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment, etc. 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 Follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B at Promise and MU for the show. And on Instagram, Scott Saunders89. Rob doesn't have it. Let's get in the comments and urge Rob to get on Instagram. Just just Rob B there in uh on Twitter. That's where you can find me. Think of how many like pictures you could put on Instagram, you know, like especially when we're in Vegas because we're going to Vegas from July. I'll put them all on Twitter. I'll put them all on Twitter for you. Follow me on Twitter and you'll get all that exclusive content there. Las Vegas from July 28th at UnitedCon. We will be there. The place for United fans are on their preseason tour of the US. There's a ton of names there, including us. Visit united-con.com for more information and to book your place been going on too long i'm gonna end the show there thanks for listening everyone this has been the promise and we'll be back on friday hopefully with some more definitive takeover news to tell you i doubt it but maybe we'll be digging more into united's transfer plans for the summer thanks everyone see you soon save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.